You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. This is episode number 61, October 25th, 2022. Hey, my name is John Menches of Menches Brothers. I am the great-grandson of the Ben of the Amber. Today, I'm on the Tech Chef Podcast with Skip. Off-premise strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? Drive-through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu, cooking up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with a tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Well, it's that time of the week again, Podcast Tuesday, and you have arrived at one of the best shows to expand your knowledge and curiosity around technology in the restaurant, hotel, and hospitality industries. You guessed it, this is the Tech Chef, and this is your host, Skip Kimple. Welcome, 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 and if you are a first-time guest, do me a favor, before you forget, go ahead and subscribe to this show so you don't miss a single episode. And for my faithful fans, as always, I am so happy to have you here again, and I appreciate you tuning in. Next week should be interesting for a couple of reasons. First, I will be speaking at the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association show in Orlando, Florida, And for those of you that will be there, make sure that you come see my session on November 3rd, where I will explore how Web3 is changing the landscape of restaurants. Don't know what Web3 is? Want to learn more about NFTs, cryptocurrency, and actually see the metaverse in action? Most importantly, do you want to know how this is impacting the hospitality industry from the large chains down to the mom and pops? Well then, this is the session you don't want to miss. Uh, For those of you not attending, that probably means you are an operator and you will be at the Murtech Executive Summit in Napa Valley. Why, oh, why did these two events have to happen on the same exact days? I have been waiting to go to Napa for that show for a couple of years now, ever since it was first announced during COVID. Oh, well, you will have a great time without me, I am sure. Just make sure you don't have too much fun. You will make me even more jealous. The show today was recorded live at Menche's Brothers NFT minting party in Green, Ohio. Yep, you heard me right. This is the mom and pop restaurant that I have been talking about quite a bit lately, and you have seen the industry news channels. If you want to hear my original podcast about this initiative, go back and listen to episode 58, where I have Danny Kimball, CMO for Menche's Brothers on the show. During that discussion, she talked about her Uncle John. Well, I was fortunate enough to meet and sit down with John Menches, CEO of Menches Brothers, to go into more depth about this project and why they felt that this little hamburger joint was the perfect concept for an NFT project. Now, during the conversation, I learned a whole lot more about John, the family, and other interesting facts other than being the originator and creator of the hamburger back in 1885. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat with John, and hopefully you will have a more open mind around NFTs after hearing his story and where he thinks this is going in the future. 
joining me today live at the Little Mensch NFT minting party here in Green, Ohio, I have John Menches. John, thank you for being on the show. It is so exciting to be here in the middle of Ohio watching this minting party happening. Um, you know, I've got so many questions for you. I'm not even quite sure where to even start on this, but let's talk about your background, um, how you started off and how you got in the restaurant business. Hi, uh, Skip. Thank you for having us. What uh, we're doing today as the mint program, but uh, how this all started, it started back with my great-grandfather. He's the creator of the world's first hamburger in 1885, September 18th. So what we did then is uh, found the original recipe. Family got together and decided to get this thing going. Uh, we've been doing it now for about since 1992, 91, and uh, we're bringing it all back. Well, you're bringing it back, but uh, throughout the years, I mean, has has this hamburger brand always been around, or did you revamp it and bring it back to life? Skip, it worked this way. Uh, we found the recipe through old family rec- archives, and uh, we thought it was kind of cute. We've always been told since we were kids what it was, how it worked. But, you know, um, when you go to school and do your old little dog and pony show, tell and shell, that uh, people didn't want to believe it. So we found the recipe and we tried it. It contains coffee and brown sugar as two of the ingredients that we do talk about. And uh, voila, it uh, turned out to be a great hit at the 1991 Stark County Fair in Canton, Ohio. And from that point forward, people started asking us for the product, uh, make some up for their backyard barbecues and picnics. And and then we decided to try a restaurant. And here we are today, 29 years later. Wow, that's actually a fascinating story. Now, you walked me around the restaurant earlier today, and it's not just the inventor of the hamburger that's the exciting part, and we're going to come back to that. But you have some other interesting history here up on the wall that you were telling me about. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? I'd be very happy to do. You know, our great-grandfather, Charles, and his brother, Frank, they created three iconic food products that you grew up all your life with. And the first one was the Hamburg in 1885 out of Hamburg, New York. Their second product was at the 1893 Chicago's Fair. There they introduced the very first caramel-coated popcorn. And later, we, call, we, we called it Gee Whiz. And then later in 1897, our, the Borden's company marketed as we grew up called Cracker Jacks. I'm sure they paid you millions of dollars for that, right? I haven't seen it yet. It okay. might still be buried in some <laughs> cans somewhere, but... <laughs> I haven't seen any of that. The, the Mitch's brothers were quite, uh, and they liked to pivot and move from thing to thing. So in 1904, at the St. Louis World's Fair, they invented the world's first handheld ice cream cone. So we've got the hamburger, the forerunner of Cracker Jack called Gee Whiz, and we got the, the old waffle ice cream cone. So uh, they're, they're quite innovative. Was the waffle cone um, or the cone production, was that a big business? It turned out to be a big business during the, uh, the St. Louis World's Fair. By the end of the fair, about 50 different vendors were making ice cream cones. It's really unique because it was made out of an Italian pizzelle cookie. You know how the old waffle-looking cookie is? Well, actually, my great-grandfather was doing that, and he rolled it. In it, into a funnel, and that's how you got the cone. Because in about 10 seconds, it hardened 
and you could put ice cream in it. So they thought they really had something. Coming back to Akron, Ohio, they introduced a, a business in which they made 60,000 ice cream cones a day and shipped them worldwide. 1909, they got a patent, and but that time uh, people were making ice cream cones automotive and they kind of put them out of business before you ever got started. Oh, that's a shame. Now, going back to the invention of the hamburger, and, and this is a, a piece that Danny had brought up to me when I had her on the show. Um, she talks about why and how she really got this started and why you decided to do an NFT. Now, that might be a surprise to anybody that's listening on the show right now because you're only three locations. But the originator of the hamburger, I've told people a few stories about this and they question me. They're like, how do we know Menche's Brothers is the originator of the hamburger? Because they've heard all these other claims out there that other people are the originators of the hamburgers. How is it that you guys claim that? Well... Those claims prevented us for years from uh, getting anywhere uh, national or international with the original hamburger. As we would bring things to the market and get people interested in investing in us and helping us grow this business, uh, when it came down to, are you really the real people? If not, then our investment may not be worth anything if anybody else starts to claim. So fortunate for us, there's a gentleman out of Rochester, New York, named Chris Carosa, and Chris wrote a book called Hamburger Dreams. By the way, you guys can get it on Amazon.com, Hamburger Dreams. And uh, what he did, he wrote the story about all four major creations of the hamburger, one from New Haven, Connecticut, one from Seymour, Wisconsin, one from Athens, Texas, and the Menchus Brothers from Hamburg, New York. And what he did, he used some uh, Sherlock Holmes crime tech techniques to get down to who really did it and what we found out is that uh, it came out to be the Menches brothers are the creators of the world's first hamburger now that's only been this coming christmas that'll be three years that book's been out since that time we have been able to launch the next few steps and one of the steps we chose to do is the nfts so tell me and i think this is probably uh the most fascinating piece Tell me, is, how is it that Danny came to you? Um, she's in her early 30s. She comes up to you and says, Uncle John, I want to do an NFT. First of all, did you even know what NFT was at that point? No, I did not. <laughs> and how did she explain it to you? Well, it, it got worse, Skip. Uh, it got worse because, well, it deals with cryptocurrency. And I go, Danny, I'm 72 <laughs> and a half years old. I'm not getting into cryptocurrency. I want to retire and play with my antique cars. She goes, Uncle John, I think we, I think we can launch Menchus Brothers as a national product. I says, honey, how are we going to do that? But she educated me on what the NFTs do and how people think and act on NFTs. And the fact that we have not, the fact that we are the third generation of the descendants, the fact that we have an original recipe as we found it, and in fact that the, the Chris Carosa's book came out confirming who we were because in the back of the book he puts all his research so anybody can research and make their own decision who invented the hammer then we got some solid ground but the convincing part skip was really kind of simple now you gotta for the your audience i don't know their age group but if they're young they might not relate to this when i was young they came out a company called walmart 
And I, they asked me to invest in Walmart, and I go, I'm not going to do that. Walmart's not going to overtake Sears and Roebuck, Montgomery Wards, and et cetera. So I don't think that'd be a good investment. Well, you can see I didn't do right. Then they came out and says, oh, how about FedEx? I go, FedEx? They're not going to outdo a company like UPS. They, they, they don't think that's a good investment. Well, how about Microsoft? No, Microsoft's not going to outdo AT&T, Compaq, and Hewlett-Packard. That's not going to work. So Danielle says, Uncle John, what do you think about it now? I says, uh, she goes, uh, so you're going to miss another opportunity. You know, she made sense. And I says, honey, if you believe in this and you can lead me and teach me, I'll give you all our resources to make it happen. So how did you get introduced to Metaversal? And that, that's the company that's helping you through this process. And we'll be having them on another episode. Um, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to, uh, talk to them today. Uh, but how did that relationship happen? That relationship happened through Danielle. Danielle was, is very well uh, versed in marketing and she had lots of marketing jobs. And uh, uh, she knew some people that left the, where she did some marketing and went to the Metaversal. They got in contact with her, and they found out that they could. They liked our story. They said, boy, we have one of the best untold stories in the world. And now that we have a product and we have confirmation with the book, and we're the real thing, once Metaversal believed in us, they just couldn't wait to put us on the NFT, and that's how I met with them. And I had several uh, conference calls, meetings, and what have you, and Zoom meetings, and uh I said, you know, let's give this thing a try. So I'm real happy today. We're launched, and uh, it's taken a little over a year to get this point. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do right, but it seems like you've, you've got the marketing power, and you put a lot of thought behind this. And I love the artwork for the graphics as well. They, they, I can tell everybody's having a good time with that. Um, there's, there's a lot of excitement here today about this whole NFT process. So um, congrats on, on getting through that process and, and really bringing it to... A project that normally doesn't land in a small mom-and-pop operation. No, it don't. But uh, one thing I always thought about, if any, if the people really knew that there was an original recipe to the hamburger, and, and uh, whether they like hamburgers or not, most people, just for the curiosity, would like to know what it tastes like. And again, coffee and brown sugar are two of the ingredients we talk about that's in the little mix. And... Uh, Voila, I think we have a real good thing here, and we got an opportunity to launch it. And we really like people throughout the world to use our spice mix to make the hamburger. And I had the opportunity, obviously, to have a, one of your awesome hamburgers today. You have a lot of hamburgers to choose from. Goodness. Yeah. That, oh, 50. There's 50. Yeah, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, a, a hashtag 50 burger challenge or something like that. I can't, have people actually completed that challenge? Yes. As you walk out the door, you'll see two young men that completed that challenge, and they got a shirt. They got on the wall. We put them in the newspaper, and it's kind of fun. To, they took a year to test them all out and rate them. They even rated them, so it was kind of cool. <laughs> actually, I think I know somebody that's listening to the show right now that might take up you up on that challenge as well. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Um, but also with the NFT, there is a private menu for NFT holders, right? That's correct. We let the NFT holders make up their own private private menu, and uh, what we did is uh, that that's a special pricing that only they can have when they come to our restaurant. And we're going to find out how well it works because today's the first day. 
Today's the first day. Do you have a lot of people signing up? It looks like yes, it. Yes, we do. Uh, I think we already have 80-some people that signed up this morning, and we have another location going to happen this afternoon, and we still got people coming in now. So uh, I think we're going to have a great day. We're really excited. I think I heard somebody say that somebody got a, a block of 10 of them um, sitting over at a table over there. Uh, we're real thankful for them people because that's really showing a vote of confidence that our game plan of what we're trying to do has, has some merit. So with the world being the way it is, having somebody believe in you and wanting to see this thing be successful, uh, it's really, really humbling, to be honest with you. Well, another fascinating story, when I walked in the door and I met all of you, um, it's finally good to put uh, uh, faces to the names that I've been talking about for so long, but they were telling me about a 93-year-old lady that minted an NFT today, and she knew all about gas fees and all the intricacies of minting an NFT, which I, I don't even know how that happens, that she would, she would understand that, but she knew it. Well, it's because over the last six months, I've been talking to them about it. Happened to be a friend of mine in, uh, in my antique car club. And uh, that person uh, stayed on top of it and actually took the time to read the newspaper a little bit and follow up on it. So, yeah, they're well-versed, and that makes it nice, too. Shocked everybody, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would have had a chance to talk to her. That would have been an interesting story. Now, when you guys kind of like did the relaunch again, you told me you were in the grocery stores for a while. We uh, tried to market our yeah. Menches Brothers product in grocery stores. We actually were in 90 grocery stores locally here for about two years. And it was going good. The resales were good. The product quality was good. And uh, we sold uh, two-pound boxes. And uh, it was going. But uh, it was getting too hard for us to keep up. We were just trading dollars. That's when we realized, you know, we need somebody to come in and market us and distribute and do the sales because that's what they do. We're just a family trying to do something. And uh, what we did prove, though, is there is a market for it. I'm totally convinced once people try the product, they'll, they'll like it and then we'll have repeat sales. So we're going to try it now through using a, a, a premix, kind of like you're buying a salad dressing at the stores and Try that in with your ground beef and make them yourself. So is that kind of your growth plan? Because now you have this vehicle to take Menchie's Brothers, the name, and take it worldwide. Yes, we are. And that's what got me excited. I'll be able to get not just the story, but the name worldwide. And I think it's going to catch on really quick. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I think we're going to be the next Starbucks or Chipotle or some of that. Because you can do so much with uh, the the little mensch uh, NFT that you get that uh, this thing should, this thing has legs. Well, you're going to have to build a distribution center next. I mean, yes. Obviously that's the next, next that, thing on the list. That's, that's my, that's my next project. 72 and a half. I'm, I'm still going. I love it. So 72 and a half. Um, it sounds like you weren't in the restaurant industry this entire time. Where, where did you start off in your career? <laughs> well, I started off building nuclear propulsion systems for submarines and aircraft carriers, and then I built uh, coal-fired power plants, and I built uh, scrubbers for power plants, and then I changed careers, and I was in the feed industry, manufacturing livestock feeds and pet foods, got to learn the agricultural side of things and commodities, and uh, God's blessed me with some great, great careers, and now here I am. I'm now in the restaurant, and now moved to distribution. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can bring some of that previous experience back. Nuclear propulsion systems, that is quite the change from what you're doing now. 
Yeah, but we got the go power over this product that we're going to do. <laughs> you even told me you uh, you were involved somehow with uh, Three My Island, correct? Yeah, when Three My Island uh, had its problems, uh, I was on the, one of the teams uh, to investigate what happened and uh, how to control it, why the radiation was declining and seeing how much damage was really done. And uh, that was really interesting project to watch that happen and. Uh, so I got to work on that. I got to work on a plant down in Florida, Crystal River. And I got to work on some other coal plants and uh, convert them into actually burning clean coal. You know, people don't think that happens. We do. So I had a great career. And I got to work on the Triton sub missile tube submarines. It was under uh, President Reagan, and we got to watch them go into operation. And uh, so I, I just, I just can't. Thank God enough for all my great experiences. Actually, just reminding me, bringing up um, the president, uh, going back to your um, historical aspect of the burger, you said you actually have, what is, it's listed in the congressional records? Oh, yeah. In 1989, Congressman Bill Paxton, then of uh, Buffalo, New York, entered my great-grandfather and great-uncle as the inventors of the hamburger into the congressional records of Congress, and uh, that was really cool. So, oh, okay, I think that officially puts the stamp on it. You can you can march forward with that. Uh, we we have uh, the documentation. How's that? Yes, and, you do. And uh, Chris Carosa's book really pushed us over the edge, though. It really took away a lot of the if thens or maybes, nots, and that. So it's only been now. Just think about it. Only been three years this coming December. So. Watch out. You're going to hear about us. Yeah, I guess so. Well, thank you for so much for giving me a copy of that book, too. I can't wait to read it on the plane ride home. You'll like it. You were talking earlier, too. There's an antique car sitting out front. Apparently, you have an antique car collection that I have not heard about. Tell me about that. Well, they call it an antique car collection. What I have is a 1931 Model A Ford Rumble Seat Coupe. That's my collection with a lot of extra parts <laughs> to keep it going. But uh, I've been doing that since 1971, and... It's been great. My wife and I got over 120,000 miles that we've put on our car. Well, I had a, I only went down the antique car path one time and I bought a, uh, a restored 67 Mustang that wasn't very well restored as I found out a couple years later. And they don't call them Rustangs for nothing. Rustangs. Oh my goodness. Um, by the time I, the money I put into it to upgrade that car and get it back to where I wanted it to be and be a, a true, true muscle car. And what I ended up selling it for, my wife said, mm -mm, never again. <laughs> well, they, they can be tricky, but uh, I love my hobby, and uh, it's a good, clean American hobby. John, I'm sure there's other restaurants out there. As a matter of fact, um, I go to a lot of these uh, restaurant shows. They're statewide shows, and there's a lot of mom-and-pop organizations that uh, attend these shows. And I will constantly talk about your story because... Web3, NFTs, cryptocurrency, they are a real factor in the restaurant business. And if you're not looking at it now, you're already behind times. And Danny convinced you of that, which is great. Your average mom and pop probably thinks it's impossible for them to get involved in this market. What kind of advice would you give to them if they have that mindset? Mindset is really because us older people uh, are... are more brick and mortar. That's what we've been raised up on. We've, that's how we've been trained. And it's very hard for us to take and think about digital data as, as being a, uh, some kind of a value. It's very hard for us to 
find out how you can turn digital data into new things. But they listen to records, they listen to tapes, that's digital. And then, you know, you you still go to movies even though you can get every movie you want uh, on your television. So, you know what? Just change your thinking a little bit and open it up and have a young kid, 35 or younger, explain it to you. <laughs> and at the end of the day, it's nothing more than a digital marketing channel. That's right. And I think that's the brilliant part of what Danny has done is she's created all of this terminology that makes sense to people instead of using these convoluted terms, which the average person doesn't understand what a non-fungible token is. And um, they don't necessarily know what cryptocurrency is other than maybe Bitcoin, but they haven't heard of Ethereum and Dogecoin and all all of that stuff. So there's another thing that Danielle did to me. And she she said, Uncle John, because when when you get into cryptocurrency, that's kind of, a little spooky for us elderly people. But then she says, Uncle John, put a dollar bill in your hand. And in your other hand, you have nothing. She goes, look, what does that dollar bill tell you? I said, well, it's a dollar bill. She goes, no, you're, what's your faith in that dollar bill? Well, it's in the faith of our government. Our government's the only one that tells us how good that dollar bill is. And she's right. It's really nothing. And there's nothing in this other hand. The government can fail tomorrow, and that dollar is no good. So what's the difference of cryptocurrency? It's, it's really the faith in the system that you have a value to. And when you look at it that way, you can do the different cryptocurrencies and feel just as good as having a dollar bill in your hand. I know it sounds crazy, but I had to practice that for a couple months because that was where I, one of my hang-ups are. Because eventually NFTs will be cryptocurrency of one type or another. And uh, so the dollar bill is just nothing to, uh, but another currency. Okay. I, I might go down a very slippery slope here, but the government wants to get involved in regulating <laughs> cryptocurrencies. They, is that a good idea or a bad idea? Well, that's, that's yet to be seen, but it's a fact. The fact that the government acknowledges cryptocurrency and the fact that now most companies, that your investment companies are saying you can put cryptocurrency into your 401s are telling me, whether we like it or not, old people, it's here to stay. So learn how to do the conversion and move your business forward. There's a bigger market forward to me today than there's ever been before. I'm going to get to go global. John Menches, thank you so much for joining the Tech Chef Podcast. I, I know my listeners are going to love this. I can't wait to share your, your news and talk all about this uh, NFT minting party that we had today. And best of luck to you in the future. And I can't wait to see where your company grows to. Thank you, Skip, and keep following us, and Daniel will keep you posted. Fun, fun, fun. I have to tell you, the second I walked through their door, Uncle John proudly took me around his restaurant to show me the historical elements, gave me a kitchen tour, and of course, I had the opportunity to have lunch and taste their burgers. They were very, very good. And by the way, they have 50 variations of their burger and have a hashtag 50 burger challenge around it. Of course, this does not include the special private menu that is available for only NFT holders. You know, they really did a good job at creating utility and value for their tokens. If you'd like to reach out to me or the show and leave a comment, or if you have a question or you have a subject in mind that you'd like me to talk about, You can do so via everything social at Skip Kimple or everything at Constrata. 
This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. You can always go to the website at skipkimple.com for all of the archive shows, including the show notes, which will be posted there, and some pictures from the event that we took while we were at the NFT minting party. You can also hear all these new episodes on the Constrata website at constrata.io. And of course, you can email me at skip.kimple at constrata.io. Next week will kind of be a continuation of today's episode, except I will be talking with the company out of New York behind this NFT project, Metaversal. We will talk with the CEO, Yossi Hassan, the creative director for this project, Sam Bruckman, and the lead project manager for this creative endeavor, Aaron Thompson. They are the secret sauce, pun intended, behind the execution of this project. And it was exciting to see the large team they brought to help support Danny Kimball and the Menchies brothers pull this off. Well, folks, that's it for today. I hope you had some fun and were encouraged by Uncle John's story. So until next Tuesday, you know the words, say it with me. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends. Mm-hmm.